0: Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Elizabeth Barnett Lawton, and I'll be interviewing some of the industry's most inspiring talent for the British Beauty Council's Careers Insights podcast series. Looking back on the last two decades of my own career as a magazine journalist and a university lecturer, it was having the opportunity to interview thought leaders, celebrities, and entrepreneurs that has been one of the greatest highlights. I'm just as fascinated today in speaking to the great minds and personalities behind industry figures as I was reading about them as a student. Hearing someone's story, a shared experience from someone who's made it in their chosen field, can provide much-needed inspiration for anyone seeking a path to a fulfilling career. This is why the British Beauty Council are providing special access into the careers of inspirational beauty industry leaders exclusively for our members. So whether you're a student or perhaps you're thinking of a career change, we think our Careers Insights podcast series featuring some of the UK's best talent could be the vital boost to your dreams and motivation. For me, and I hope for you too, the podcast series is a fascinating insight into the lives of some of Britain's biggest beauty success stories. Welcome to the show. International session hairstylist Sid Hayes is one of the fashion industry's most exciting new talents, creating looks inspired by London's youth culture. His work has been featured in British Vogue, Vogue Italia, ID, and Love magazines, and for clients including Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Miu Mu, Valentino, Versace, Missoni, and Givenchy, to name just a few. He regularly collaborates with some of the world's leading photographers, including Mert Allison Marcus Piggott, David Sims, Alistair McClellan, Solveig and Jurgen Teller. Sid has also keyed fashion shows such as Miu Miu, Mary Katrantzou, Pringle of Scotland, and Versus. Sid has also created a bespoke hair accessory, which is versatile, with a sleek cuff and pin design, which might just be the coolest, chicest hair accessory right now. He's also currently acting as brand ambassador to Babalist Pro, and we look forward to speaking to him today. Hello, Sid. Um, Welcome to the Careers Insights podcast. So just launching straight into the questions, um, you've got a really impressive client and collaborator list um I know that you're represented by art and commerce and Matt and Marcus, Solve Sansbo, David Sims, He advertising clients like Versace, Miu <laughs> Miu, Louis Vuitton, Gucci um so incredible but how, how did you start did you start your career as a as a hair uh, stylist in a salon?
1: So yeah thank you just want to say thank you guys for having me um on this and it's very important for me as well to sort of help And inspire young, up and coming, aspiring hairdressers because without new people coming through, the industry won't survive. So, this is really important to me as well to build upon education and to help people in the industry. So, I really appreciate you having me on this and thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, So, yeah, I suppose I started hairdressing as a 17 year old teenager. Um, However, I have grown up around hairdressing and around a hairdressing family and a salon, a small salon in Kew Gardens that's in Southwest London. Um, And my dad is a hairdresser. So I've grown up around this sort of very inspiring and fun and busy salon in Southwest London. So I'm kind of, my roots come from hairdressing. Um, My mum was always extremely um, fashionable. She still is. And you, if you're around an environment that is aspiring and you see fashion, it's really great. And I always growing up, art was such a huge start to my career. I really, really wasn't into studying English and studying um, maths, it, it just wasn't me. So I decided to sort of venture out and try and do something in art. It started around hairdressing because with hairdressing, you could go into fashion and you could go into photography and you could be an, you know, a hairdresser on photo shoots. So that's kind of where it started.
0: So you've got the two, two really important factors there. It- it's kind of a cultural capital isn't it to have family that you can see are making a living from hairdressing yeah. and 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 it's actually a really rewarding career not just financially but also just an enjoyable career isn't it so you've yeah. got that and then the and the interest in in the arts
1: yeah um i was very into sport i went to um an incredible school that was you know i went to a private school and um a sort of state school and I started out in in sort of state education and was very much into sport so I sort of transferred over to do my GCSEs um at a private school because of the sport and they had this school I went to which was um incredible they had the most amazing art department and actually I spent all of my time doing art and sport because that's what I was really into. But, I, you know, my dad comes from um, Lincoln. He was, a uh, um, the family were, were coal miners originally. His dad was. So he, he really came from a working background. And my mom was a professional dancer on television, and she came from a sort of working background as well. Her dad was, my granddad was, you know, worked at Ford for a long time. So they both were... People who, you know, didn't come from anything but made an amazing lifestyle from their hard work. So when I went into hairdressing, I went into it and I didn't start at my dad's salon. I went into London and I started at a big, big salon in central London and started from the bottom and really grafted and worked my way up because that's what I'd seen as a kid.
0: Would I know the salon?
1: You probably would. Um, it was Nicky Clark, Nikki Clark's um, yeah. salon in Mayfair. The, the salon that I started at is actually, they're no longer there because of rents and rates and those things. And, you know, life goes on and the salon's around the corner. But when I started and I trained there, it was um, this incredible, huge three-story salon on the corner of Barclay Square in Mayfair. So you could not get a better location for a salon. And this salon was big and it was hustling. And when I said to my dad, I don't want to go to university and I don't really want to finish my A-levels. So at 17, I stopped my um, education career, or sorry, education, should I say, not career. I stopped my education and we went uh, on my summer holidays into London And we walked around, me and my dad, walked around about six salons in central London. And we went into them all and we had a look. And if you can imagine as a 17-year-old boy walking into Nicky Clark's in Mayfair with lots of amazing Mayfair women. um, And the salon was busy. When I started there, I think there was between 16 to 18 assistants. So that's a huge amount of assistance let alone stylists and colorists and beauticians and receptionists I mean it was a real sort of you know hustle and bustle of a salon in Mayfair it was really incredible and I learnt by standing next to some of the best hairdressers that I've ever worked with
0: yeah because Nicky had some really great hairdressers
1: yeah working there he had some amazing hairdressers like There was a guy called Rupert who um, was at Nicky Clark's for a long, long, long time, right from the beginning. And he used to be at John Frieda when Nicky was there. And then there was a guy called Lewis and Tom. And those guys were the people that really, you know, you looked up to and aspired to.
0: So they sort of taught you the skills, did they? Watching them cut hair. I mean, you need to watch, don't you, to learn to cut hair?
1: Rupert... um, had an amazing clientele and he had lots of, you know, Arab princesses and he would start at 8.30 in the morning and he would work sometimes till 11.30 or midnight. And the guy was extremely talented. He could cut hair. Um, He, Rupert was a black hairdresser from Trinidad. And um, again, he started like I did as an apprentice at John Frieda's and worked his way up and left John Frieda when Nicky opened his salon. So the work ethic and the, you know, standing next to someone like that with clients of huge wealth, you really get to meet a huge, you know, lots of different people.
0: And the pressure as well, because you've got to deliver every time an amazing haircut, haircut, haven't you?
1: And, you know, yeah, the salon, sort of, you know, my, my hours of work, I think at the time was sort of, we used to have to be in the salon at 8.15 and we were scheduled to finish at six. And if you were Rupert's assistant, you were sort of scheduled to be there until, you know, he said you could kind of leave. Now that wasn't part of the hours of work that you had to do, but Rupert used to look after you. If you stayed late and work with him, he was a very honest and, you know, he would also you know treat you and look after you and as long as you you know were keen and enthusiastic um and then after that I sort of went on to assisting Nikki and on Nikki that's when I started doing photo shoots with him and learning his amazing way of styling hair Nikki was a a master at um you know quaffing and styling <laughs> hair on different colors flicky
0: blow dry
1: yeah, but on the flicky Nicky as we
0: flicky Nicky
1: <laughs> um he he was, you know. I used to work with Nicky. For, I think I assisted him for about a year and a half as his assistant. I was the youngest ever assistant to um, to actually assist Nicky, um, and learning what his techniques and what he did was really incredible as well. So I started at Nicky's at seventeen. I worked there for about three and a half years. I assisted Nikki and most of the best stylists there and then qualified at Nikki Clark's as well. That then led me on to, um, I used to on my weekends go and assist on different photo shoots. There was a hairdresser called Simon Maynard that was at Nikki Clark's and he used to, he was there part-time and I used to go and assist him. And that led me on to going and trying to find more.
0: So having done a 15 hour day every day in the week, you went and worked weekends?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I think that's at that time, I was working long, long days. Not every single day was a fifteen hour day standing behind a chair, but probably two night two days of the week we would do that. Um, and I then got a job in a pub in the evenings because I couldn't wasn't good enough at the beginning to cut hair and do private clients myself. but I could I remember going and getting a job in the pub after work. So I used to finish work at six and I used to drive on my scooter to a pub near where I lived and do 6.30 till close, about 11.30, 12 at night, and then go home. And I'd do that. I think I did that sort of three nights a week. I suppose what that teaches you is you don't ever expect to be given anything. And I didn't have to do that because my my parents did very well, but it taught you That if you want things and you want to be able to go and buy things and enjoy life, then you have to learn to earn it and respect that.
0: That's a pretty hardcore entry into the career that you have today. I mean, you really—I mean that the the hours—they sound monumental. Um, But I guess not everybody chooses to do um, go and work in a pub for you know in the evenings. No, but
1: I suppose it's it's if you want to. You know, unfortunately in life, if you want to buy things, you need money. It's you well, not necessarily now, you might you'd be able to buy it with Bitcoin. Um, but you need a, a currency to be able to go and buy something and nice things. So if you want a new bicycle or something, you need that. So that was a way of me earning some extra money because doing an apprenticeship, you don't earn a lot. You're on basic wage, you're doing long hours. But I aspired to wanting nice things and doing nice things, probably because of the people I was surrounded by.
0: So um, once you had that initiation into assisting Nikki on photo shoots, was yeah. that where your eyes were open to um, the possibility of being a session stylist? Maybe that you might just like to do only that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, um, look, I then sort of used to look through French Vogue and Italian Vogue, which they used to get at the salon. And I thought to myself that oh, I really want to go into doing that. So I left Nicky's, but before I left Nicky's, I made sure I had another job to go into. So I um, went around the corner to Hersherson's and met Luke Hersherson because Luke at the time was doing, and still does, lots of you know editorial for French Vogue, and you used to see his name popping up in ID. And
0: he's amazing. He was my hairdresser for about ten years.
1: Yeah, and he and he. Yeah. So I went there as a seventy. No, actually, I was twenty twenty years old, twenty one. I asked Luke if I could have a job, and he said, "Yeah, you can have a job, but you need to retrain in the way we cut hair." And at the time, I thought, "Well, I've just come from Mickey Clark, so I don't need to learn anything. I know everything." And that was sort of wrong because you can always learn, and I'm still learning today when I do things. So Luke and Daniel took me on, and they do something which is called vardering which is where they sort of retrain you, not completely, but you end up going to the salon and you do basically kind of models all day long and they show you their techniques. And if you are lucky enough to do something like that and watch Daniel, isn't Daniel Hersherson, Luke's dad, Daniel can cut hair probably better than anyone I've ever seen. He really can cut short hair. So they taught me some amazing techniques. Luke's very aspiring as well as a person. He's um, always trying to push himself and create new things and has a good vision. So I ended up retraining and assisting Luke on photo shoots. So then we started doing some shows at London Fashion Week and I sort of started and um, when he opened his blow dry bars, I sort of, I didn't, I wouldn't say I, I'd say I sort of helped him a bit in terms of, you know, the looks that we created for the blow-dry bar menu at the beginning. And originally there was some wallpaper on the wall that he put in, in the blow-dry bars. And I sort of helped him put all the collage of pictures together. And it was a really interesting time. Again, another big salon in Mayfair. Um, And then after being with him for about a year and a half, I decided that, There was only one person I wanted to go and work with in the session world, and that was Guido.
0: I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) Also, you're on the same management. Uh, Luke and Guido are, are both represented by art and commerce, aren't they?
1: Yes. Um, and he and
0: he's the legend of all, you know, the hairdresser's hairdresser in a way. Isn't
1: yeah. He? And if <laughs> anyone doesn't know sort of what art and commerce are, art and commerce originally were an agency which started in New York and they were a small agency that took on only the best people in the world in fashion. And they generally consist of photographers, fashion stylists, makeup artists and hairstylists. Now there's sort of directors um, and some still life photographers as well. But Um, Art and commerce are owned by IMG, so normally people think of IMG as the models. Um, And then IMG is owned by WME, which is William Morris and Dauer, which is the biggest talent agency in the world. So I'm under an umbrella, which is pretty cool. So that has advantages in terms of, you know, you might have help for lawyers and you're basically under a really good umbrella. It's a big, big organization.
0: I used to book talent from art and commerce It's Scotland. It's just the best. <laughs> um, so can you describe to me what you think the, the difference between being a salon stylist yep. and a session stylist for anyone that might be listening? Because it's quite a different game really, isn't
1: it? It completely is. And, you know, I'm, the, you hear this word session hairstylist a lot more now because everyone seems to want to be a session hairstylist. And it's not for everyone, definitely not, because it can be extremely long hours. Again, on photo shoots, you don't control your own time and your own day. They start early and generally finish very late. But it also has huge advantages as well, because you can be traveling around the world and you can be in L.A. or New York or a beach in Jamaica. or You, know, you really can get anywhere. And that's incredible because you get to see lots of different things again. I personally love having both, and I couldn't just give up my salon life and the the family salon which I helped run in Kew Gardens, which is Kew Cut.
0: Oh, so we can come and see you then.
1: You can come <laughs> and see me, yeah. I'm, I'm not there all the time, but I am. I try to do about a day a week, and I think that keeps me quite grounded because I'm not with, you know. Bella Hadid or Kendall Jenner or big actresses or big football stars. I'm with day-to-day, everyday people. And I think that's what really keeps a person grounded.
0: Balance is so important, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially now in terms of life. And I, I really enjoy... The both sides of running a salon, having a team in the salon, and also having a team outside of the salon with my session work. Mm. And to me, hairdressing and session work comes from a salon. The, the groundwork is a salon. So you need to have really, you know, a had an apprenticeship. B maybe gone to college and and done a you know a level two or level three um, apprenticeship there. And a qualification and then really learn the techniques of hairdressing through being in a salon and watching because mm-hmm. our industry is about watching you know you can't cut hair by reading a book
0: absolutely not you've got to do it but yeah. well, when I talk sort of about the differences clearly there's there's that huge lifestyle difference that you've mm-hmm. just spoken about so you've got glamorous jet setting working with Kendall Jenner you know uh Bella Hadid for the Versace ad yeah. that you've just done yeah. um, and Haley Bieber. And then you've got keeping it real in the salon, doing yeah. everyday people, real people with real hair. But for yeah. me, uh, as an as a, as a, um, art director of beauty shoots on magazines, I, I can remember hiring, uh, uh, I made the mistake only once, and I never <laughs> did it again, hiring someone that was an art director in a hair salon because it had been offered to me by a brand. And They just didn't understand that we were trying to create hair for a picture, not hair that would feel nice and move necessarily. I just needed it to look. It was for a cover. It has to look like the shape because photography is largely the styling and the makeup. But actually the hair is fundamental to how your your image looks
1: correct it's very interesting this because the, the the future of technology is changing the way that we craft session hairstylists hair because it was only for magazines or advertising campaigns which were 2d images the future and technology now is all about 3d so you're totally right. It's normally it always had not normally it has been this yeah, image so. <laughs> of what we see here on this screen without me moving. But now because of video and Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat and all of these different media's which we're now using, the the image becomes 3D, which then takes you on to fashion shows, which are 3D, and you see.
0: Right. Hair. Good point. I mean, I'm such a dinosaur that I'm from the print. You're right. So, so with video and, and all the other different mediums, yeah. we now bring it back round to actually the differences of the actual what you do with the hair isn't so great. And then the people that are coming to the salon also want to look like what they've seen on Instagram.
1: Yeah, exactly. So now it's well, the
0: same, the I hair. I can
1: go on a, on a shoot and we can get there in the morning and they, they might have a concept about what we want to do. And it might be very natural hair with not much makeup and they want it to feel quite raw. And to be able to walk into a studio and I can say to the photographer, the stylist, and the makeup artist, they go, that's the brief. And then I go, great, I'm not gonna do anything. They kind of think, you know, well, why not? Why have you not got your hair dryer out? Why have you not got your, your tools out? Or Because the girl walks in and they might have the most amazing hair texture as it is. And as soon as you touch that, you've changed the texture that the hair is. So. I might then damp it slightly with a water spray or we might do something on set. But until we get the girl in an image, in a a studio and we shoot the picture, you you can't recreate that texture that they've walked in with their hair, which is natural. You can't
0: undo it. Undo what you do, like reverse steps.
1: Yeah. And it takes experience, I think, to be able to have that confidence to be able to go, you know what, let's leave it. She looks great as she is, or he looks great as he is.
0: Well, in a way, that's what Guido's confidence is. Yeah. If you, even if you look at his covers on Italian Vogue, yeah. he's got enough confidence to say, "Oh, I don't. W- I'm not trying to make that shot all about my hair. Like they, that girl looks great with a natural hair and a hairband,
1: or yeah. you know." Yeah, yeah. Guido was an amazing boss that I was fortunately enough to go and assist him for three years and work next to him as his let's say again an apprentice and assistant and learn his craft and meet the people that he worked with which then led on to my career because in the world I think once you start to meet people and if you're good at something what you do you then are able to work with those people you've met and then show your craft which you might adapt and it might change slightly but it's all about learning and about education. And I think, you know, I still learn today. I've got an amazing bunch of hairdressers who, who work with me. I have an assistant, Paula, who's been with me for five years, I think now, she's been working with me. And I've got a bunch of hairdressers, which are kind of known as the Sid Squad, who um, work with me on all shows and are, an incredible bunch because I'm able to ask them, what do you think about that? And how could we create this? And what could we do about that problem? Or there's this problem in the salon or we're doing this shoot and we need to do these wigs. I need some help. Can you guys come and help me? And, you know, I think that's great to have team members like that, which I've sort of built up that team and that SID squad over a a long time you know working with art and commerce and then before that working with premier hair and makeup and you build those team members as you go and they all have strengths and weaknesses and you use those to make an amazing show happen for example.
0: In a way you're only as good as your team aren't you?
1: Yeah for sure You, you, you know I'm only as good as my last job I learned that you're only as good as, as, as your team, because you need really good team members to be able to execute some amazing hair on shows. Yeah. And you also need support. And I think that's where I've been very lucky. And when I say support, I've been very lucky. I've worked with Babyliss Pro and Babyliss for about five years. And they support me in terms of, um, you know, relationship with a product brand and I've been fortunately enough to work with them
0: they're amazing fabulous they've helped me through the pandemic because you can do your own hair with
1: (laughs) those tools it's you know it's when you work with a brand you build relationships and you have confidence to be able to say to a brand have you thought about this product and could you do this to it and especially with the future of technology and the future of hair equipment is now moving into battery power they listen to hairdressers because their tools are, have a, have a you know people use them and they need to learn from the consumer that uses it as well as the you know artist or hairstylist hairstylist that uses it
0: so it's a two way street are there, yeah, i mean it, it's they're very lucky to have you too to have that, that input into the product development of their next tools. And they're really upping their game at the moment. I've tried some amazing tools from Babylist. Yeah,
1: and I think they support hairdressers as well, which I really like. And that's really shown through in this, you know, pandemic that we're hopefully coming to an end of, which I think we all are. And they've um, you know they've supported the hairdressers that they work with in terms of, because video has become so popular in this pandemic, they've worked with the hairdressers to create content for their platforms. And that also keeps the hairdresser inspired and they are helping by, you know, um, financially a little bit of support when a time of hairdressing is very difficult because we can't do our craft and art at home. So, Brand support and working with brands is very important within the world as well of what we do.
0: Indeed. And you've also um, been quite smart and savvy in, in launching your own hair accessories line, haven't you?
1: Yeah, I, I, I launched um, the Sid Pin and the Sid Cuff a, a couple of years ago because I needed to challenge myself. I wanted to be able to see if I could put something out on the market in the world and see if. I could A, sell it, B, it would look cool, and probably... And they do. (laughs) Thank you. And C, um, it's a challenge, you know, trying to make something, trying to put it out to the world, getting feedback from people, uh, which is always hard because I always want something to look cool and be the best that it can be. Those are difficult things, and they're good challenges for people to have. I've never launched anything until... I did that and I have not made millions out of it because it's a hair accessory and you're never going to but what you can do is you can um, inspire yourself and you can push and challenge yourself like I did to come up with something that was new in design looked new looked cool and hopefully people would buy it and it kind of worked.
0: Yeah as kind of more like a fashion accessory for hair rather than some sort of Correct. functional clips yeah. and bobbles and all yeah. of that sort of stuff that you get
1: it was a new design it was a new shape it looks very chic and cool I think some people might not um and it was a challenge and I think life is about pushing yourself from challenges and I think you know if you can do that you can do anything and I always believe you know that motto of work hard play hard it's a good way to do things
0: it is. So what what would you say to somebody starting out now? Because obviously you've worked incredibly hard and, and the rewards are there for those that are willing to do that. But what, what sort of advice would you give to someone wanting to start out and thinking um, that they'd like to be a session stylist? Because that can seem quite a big jump from going to get a job, yeah. sweeping the floor in a salon.
1: Yeah, yeah. my advice would be is... The, the the fashion world and the, the session world is very difficult. Now, there are lots of different ways that you could go off in this because there's the whole theatre world, there's the film world, there's the um, music world, and then there's the, the fashion world. So there's lots of areas of hairdressing that you can go into. Um, mine has always been high-end fashion and beauty. Um, and I would advise that you as a hairdresser are always, or a, aspiring hairdresser try to master your craft and learn and take advice from everybody generally when you're 17 like myself you I think and guys think and people think you're the best and everyone's you know not as good as you and you know everything and that's a good thing to have definitely because it makes you a better person. But I think if you can learn off of those guys that might look a bit older and wrinkly, they have huge knowledge and um, have done it before. And I think the big thing is watch, stand beside a hairdresser, watch, learn, see the way they brush hair, see the way they comb hair, see the way they cut hair. It's a feeling and it's an art and it's a craft what we do. So, you know, it's very sculptural. I would try and assist like I did try and see if you can work with some people get in touch with maybe the agents and see if they're around or message the hairdresser on Instagram and say you know I'd love to come and work with you is it possible people and we need as hairdressers in this industry we need new people coming through
0: you're going to get loads of messages on Instagram (laughs) (laughs) you just said that
1: (laughs) no but it's it's a way of people getting in contact with people that you Absolutely. can get in contact with. Such before. an
0: opportunity, isn't it, to follow. And then you can, you can also check them out to see, because hopefully there's, they're using their Instagram as a, as a portfolio platform.
1: Spot on. You know, there was, a, there was a time when I used to have a portfolio, which was a big, you know, book like this, and it had lots of pictures in, and that was your portfolio. And that used to get biked about all over London to try and get you jobs. You know, now it's all on your phone. It's on Instagram. We can see how good your work is and see what you do, um, which is good. It has its pros and it has its negatives. But I think my advice would be: is go and assist hairdressers, get in contact with them or their agents, and just work hard. Go. Don't always expect to earn money. I don't always get money now when I go to work. I go to work because and do lots of different, you know, magazine work and some shows sometimes. And I don't earn, but what I get out of that is I get creativity. And creativity leads, sorry, my dog Clive is in the background. (laughs) Um, And I think creativity leads to success and you then getting paid. And I think, you know, I never went into hairdressing thinking I'm going to earn loads. It was more about, you know, my dad used to say to me, why are you going assisting and not getting paid on that photo shoot? And it was because it was art and because it was a creativity that that inspired me personally. And I spend days at home now, sort of, especially with this lockdown and things that have happened. I've created things with hair and made things with hair that I've never would have had the time to do before.
0: So you're making the most of the time.
1: Yeah, well, you know, like it's an art form and... I used to do it with canvases and painting when I was at school. Mm. And now I kind of do it with hair and wigs and it's sculpture. And, you know, we, I did the other day, I put these extensions on a board and I went to the local DIY shop and bought some PVA glue and I covered with a big paintbrush, these hair extensions with glue. And so they went hard, rock solid, Mm. and these, bits of hair you can then turn into sculpture and kind of hats and yesterday hair um, hats hair hats, <laughs> yeah. I I, I did a hair. Shoot, shoot yesterday with Jürgen Teller who's an amazing art photographer yeah and how amazing photographer mm. and I've worked with him for a long time and we were shooting Emma Thompson the amazing actress who was incredible and I picked up these kind of hair sculpture bits of, you know, hair that I'd painted with PVA glue, wrapped it around her hair, twisted it, pinned it at the back, and she had this kind of incredible hair sculpture. And it will be, hopefully, it will make British Vogue and be a picture in the magazine that I'll look back and think...
0: What, what issues do we need to look out to see I that?
1: That's going to be in May, the issue. If May,
0: right. British Vogue. Okay, yeah, so look, look out be for beautiful. Emma Thompson with uh, a, a hair, hair hat. Sculpt yeah. head sculpture.
1: We we did with these <laughs> I did a million, well not a million. I did 12 different wigs with her, and she was in these huge couture dresses, so it's all over the top. And we just had a lot of fun and played. And we Sounds shot it fantastic. we were out in Trafalgar Square and around there. And it it it's I walk away from days like that feeling very inspired and you know content because you're able to create and you're able to go to work. And yeah, I didn't own loads of money yesterday doing that, but I came away feeling like I'd ticked some boxes in terms of being creative.
0: So yes, yeah, the balance of doing the creative and then the money jobs. Correct. And, and also, you know, you talk about in the beginning that there are long hours, but when you're having fun and doing something you love, you don't really kind of, you're not like watching the clock, are you? The days just go when you're the doing days, that kind of yeah, work. Yeah,
1: exactly. The days go. Uh, we started, I left home at 6 a.m. I didn't get back that late. I got back about half past six yesterday and the day flew by and I came home and was sort of like, you know, smiling from ear to ear as they say, it was great.
0: Yeah, so much better to do a, a long day of, 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 that you love than yeah. a long day of something you don't love. Thank you so much for for talking to me. We've covered so much. and I think for anybody starting out, that really is some insightful information into how to get started um, with a career and and hopefully even emulate a career like the one that you've had so far. And I look forward to seeing your shoot in in British Vogue in the May issue.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Um, I hope I haven't waffled on too much.
0: It was great. It was really good. You answered so many questions that I've had. You've just actually already (laughs) answered. So it was brilliant. Thank thank you so much.
1: Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to our Careers Insights podcast. Episodes are released bi-weekly onto Acast, Apple, Spotify and the British Beauty Council member zone. You can also follow the British Beauty Council on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, and Clubhouse to stay updated with the latest news. Or, if you'd like to contact us and find out more about becoming a member or patron,
1: please email joinme at